One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So what's the difference between 3-0 and 2-1? Easy, it's a missed penalty, a nervy ending to a game that should have been an absolute bloodbath after the first half and an irate Pep Guardiola. Who knows if... uh... Erling take the penalty and miss it. What happened if Riyad uh, take the penalty and miss it? What happened if Ilka Gundogan take a penalty and score? So the question is, is 2-0, who's the taker? The taker is Erling, is Riyad, they have to take it. Domination, chances missed and a final 10 minutes to keep everyone on their toes ahead of Real Madrid. Let's chat through it. Welcome to today's Let Me Talk. I'm David Mooney. Joining me from the airport in Amsterdam is Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hello. How's it going? Good, good. Um, it was a bit of a nervy end, wasn't it? Uh, as far as I remember, I don't know, <laughs> not really. I mean, maybe I wasn't in the most journalistic conditions to watch the game, but I don't remember it being, um, you know, obviously more nervy than it should have been. But they, do you remember middle of last season, City beat Wolves in December, and like they just went a bit sloppy in the last like seven or eight minutes, and they had a chance right at the end that Edison had to save, and you're like, oh, wow, that was a bit ropey. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember like. It was at the f- the full extent of Leeds' capacity to score one goal. In many ways, it reminded me of um, the Real Madrid away game last season, where City needed one more, and Real just went, "No, this, th- you, this there's nothing happening here. You're, th- this game is going to end now." And oh yeah, yeah. The, the ball barely, yeah, extra time in, in, yeah. in extra time. Um, yeah, there were so many moments in that game where City could have, um, after Leeds had scored, there was probably what five, six minutes left. Um, there were so many moments where they could have got the ball down, down into the channel. You know, Mares was setting off, and Walker could have played him in, or you know, De Bruyne. There was there was one where they had a counter attack, and De Bruyne just took the ball and rolled it back to it's either Lewis or to Laporte, or someone, and it was a case of. No, we are keeping this ball, and there is just not going to like. Even if, even like, we might have had a chance to score here, but even if we did, we could have missed it and then given you a chance. So you're just not going to get a chance to score, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, exactly. it was really kind of well managed, and it, it reminded me again. Like, funny you said that Wolves game um, at the uh, in in last season because I asked Guardiola about the the difference between having a crowd in that season and not having a crowd in the year before, and the decision making that the players go through in the closing stages when a game's tight like that because obviously the crowd are going no no get it forward you can get it one and you can you can get the third goal and, and kill it off 
Whereas actually Guardiola probably wants them to do what De Bruyne did and keep the ball and make sure there's just not another chance in the game. And I just found I, I find that kind of dynamic between the the fans and the players and and what it was the, the difference between the behind closed doors season when you've got an absolutely clear head to make those decisions and when you've got fifty five thousand people going listen just kill this game off for Christ's sake will you? I guess it's the um, the Foden thing that the week you know when he was oh sometimes we were attacking too quickly like they know what they need to do yeah. Um, Guardiola was kind of brushing it off. He was asked the other day, "How do you, how do you motivate them or whatever?" He's like, "They don't need me," uh, and that is that is true, isn't it? Obviously, they need him for like the, the guidance and the the, ta- the tactical elements, and you know he's instilled that kind of mentality in them. But you know they can kind of regulate yeah, for themselves. On we saw that with Haaland games, anyway. Yeah. Like Haaland took the decision. Okay, maybe the decisions aren't always right, but it's not the end of the world. But yeah, I mean, I thought I was like, I'm not not sure what we're going to say for this podcast. Like it was a proper routine win. Even at two one, and I went on Twitter last night, and I sent you that. Well, I saw some of like the discussion about the penalty and what should have happened, and this, and then that Gundogan quote to match of the day. Yeah. And they asked him what happened after the game, and he was like, "Well, yeah, he wasn't very happy with Erling, and then he had a go at me." I was like, "Right, okay." Oh, that yeah, that was it as well. Because when when Gundogan came off, because I looked at the screen and it seemed like they didn't, um, like they didn't like talk on the way off, and I was like, oh, "That was a bit strange," but maybe I didn't see it properly. Because um, obviously there was that game. Was it Arsenal when De, when Gundogan was great? But he gave the ball away with about I don't know twenty five minutes to go or something right in midfield, and then straight away like Pep took him off. But Pep gave him a massive hug when they came off, and then so I thought that was strange. And then obviously there's pictures taken in the stadium, seen on TV, Pep's just like purposely ignoring him, isn't he? He's like miles out of his technical <laughs> area. And it's like wow, like he really is like genuinely is pissed off. Yeah. But again, you know I'm always looking out. You know I'm always really happy when I find out like comments or quotes from people who sum up like what they're trying to do or their outlook and like obviously it was a slightly different circumstances but everything Pep said about the game's not won or maybe if it's 3 or 4 nil with 10 minutes to go then you can give them then you can share the penalty around or, but everything he said to kind of justify and even just the anger itself is perfect you know that kind of if it was 3 or 4 nil with 10 minutes to go it's like then you can share the penalty around and you know we can bring on Sergio Gomez Cole Palmer Calvin Phillips, you know, it's that kind of thing. So that's he's now quantified what he believes is his game done. Yeah. And also, you know, when people are going, look, I, I, there was more rotation there than I expected. But when people go into games, going, oh yeah, you might rest all these players today because you know it's only Leicester or it's Leeds at home or whatever. And it's like, well, like in terms of Haaland being rested, because I think Haaland is the ultimate sacred cow, isn't he? he? Just never really gets rested. Um, but it's it's just like that is how seriously he's taken it. Like he was genuinely livid, clearly, at almost putting the game in jeopardy against Leeds in a game that was completely like if that had been against Leicester or whatever, it'd have been fuming, mm. like even more so because that was probably in, in jeopardy. But Leeds, like they like I say, it was they did as much as they could and got and scored one. I don't think they were going to get another. And and injury time was just City keeping the ball, going down in the corner, doing what they needed to do. There was no da- there was no danger there really. But he was still livid about it because. That's how you know. That's how he sees it in terms of importance and in terms of when the, the game is actually won. Because you now I'm sitting there going, oh, "I was two 0 seven minutes to go." Obviously, the answer there is make sure you score the penalty, do the job, don't piss about. And okay, maybe it's a reminder for Real Madrid, but I can't see a scenario in which case that you know you need to score goals against Real Madrid. They didn't need to miss a penalty against Leeds to tell them that. Yeah. Um, Gundogan himself was like, you know, it's, I feel more disappointed. That's kind of overshadowed. Um, the two goals and the win in a way which is a shame it's like don't, don't let it get to you mate 
Well, you were you were brilliant. How good was he? Yeah, I mean, in terms of of performances, um, the the run in this season so far, like Gundogan has he, he has he's really made the position kind of like he's really made himself into the key man in the in the position, hasn't he? For, yeah, the, I was for the running position. for the season, <laughs> he's yeah, like any, any position as long as he's in it, key. as long as he's on the pitch. That's that's just kind of how it is at the moment. I mean. Let's say Guardiola after the game because he he, he was asked um, about the the contract situation um, because obviously we don't know what the future is going to be for the moment we don't know um, kind of whether Gundogan's going to sign whether he's not going to sign what the offer is there um, but at the same time it's clear that Gundogan is the man for the moment so let's have a listen to, to what Guardiola said I said about the contract is going to have this, the, the club is involved in that you know the club knows my opinion about that but the club is above me and had a decision. We do it together. Decision always we take together, you know? Whatever do it in good and bad together. So it's not necessarily Gundo scored two incredible goals, how good he played today. Reading the spaces, you know, <laughs> he has everything. Incredible run in the final third and you know, and and, and when I put a handy midfielder, how intelligent, how good it is. So it's not necessary today score perform really well scored two goals to know exactly how I like this player and how I enjoyed all this time work with him and how we like to work with him in the future am I detecting a bit of subtext there what well yeah so it's pretty obvious isn't it he wants him to he wants the club to give him a new contract but the club is saying no it's it's, it's only one year and Gundogan wants two it seems that's pretty clear isn't it mm. um, I didn't know that but it's pretty clear um but I was speaking to, uh, like, as Gundogan's media guy was messaging me during the game yesterday because he was like, what's the record for touches? And I was like, I don't know. But <laughs> again, despite the fact I was in the bar in Amsterdam drinking beer, I was like, I'll email Opta. Um, he, was like, he goes, what's the record for most touches in one Premier League game? He was like, Ilkay's on 158 now. And he goes, 141 out of 151 passes. So I got the answer back and he didn't quite get there, but... Out of interest, the Rod, the, the Rodri, there you go. The record since 2003-04 for touches and passes in a game is Rodri against West Ham in February 2020. Yeah. Um, most touches, 195. Most passes, 188. Um, and Gundogan yesterday had 193 touches. And where are the passes? 100. 171 out of 183. I've just done that. I've just um, done that thing where I've gone. What were the first two numbers again? <laughs> yeah. I, um, so he was he was just short of he was just short of both. Um, but then afterwards, I was like, I message, and sometimes when you speak to agents, it's sort of like kind of or like media people, you kind of feel like you got to blow smoke up their ass a bit, which I never do. You know, so I was ah because I know so many people. Oh, you're you know whoever it is. Oh, your colleague's so good. Blah blah blah. And I'm like. If if like if if I've got an agent speaking to me, and they're like, um, oh, I don't know why, I don't know why player X didn't play today. I'll try and be like, like I would be on this podcast, you know. Or Pep said this, or maybe he wants that, or you know, I've heard this. When all they want to hear really is, oh yeah, your your guy should be playing all the time. Um, so the message I put was, I always try to understand the logic if it's like tactical or business or whatever. But I was like, let's say, worst case scenario, that Ilkay was like a Fernandinho situation. You know, last season where he didn't really play, he was there, He's still around, holding yeah. on. But I was like, maybe, I was like, maybe Ilkay turned into that situation in twenty four, twenty five, which is the season after next. This is in my message. I was, like, I would still say it's worth having him for next season, and then that one after, even in that kind of Fernandinho role. Um, that was it because I said they should keep him forever. 
and the good reply was tell them that like with a like a winky face so um yeah and then with Guardiola saying the club know my opinion I, I I didn't know but it seems fairly obvious that Guardiola wants him to stay but the club are like oh no business business but yeah. it does seem very rare that like, again I'm sure there is in terms of the logic I'm sure there is a very good perfectly well perfect explanation for it but like, even if again you my can't just say because what is salary going to be per year fuck knows like 9 million, seven, I can't work it out roughly but whatever it is and he doesn't let's say he doesn't play a single game in the, sec- in the second season I suppose you can't just start saying oh well it's only 9 million who cares but it's like the, but the value of him next season I would love somebody to give me to explain it yeah like the, the proper thinking like the actual details the money on not just like oh yeah well they don't want to give him a long contract because of age I actually want to specifically know what is the financial loss or what is the effect on the squad it can't be a bad effect on the squad if Guardiola wants him. No, it must well, purely I'll, be a money thing. Just quickly, a gut instinct on what you think will happen with uh, with Gundogan, because obviously it's quite, in many ways, as, as good and stable as the team is right now, there it, there is the potential for this summer to be quite uh, an upheaval with uh, Bernardo and Gundogan um, potentially yeah, uh, potentially needing, potentially looking to move on. Yeah, uh, just in terms of Gundogan, obviously it seems like at the moment there is no breakthrough on that. Um, he. He would, I think, you know, obviously he'd be very happy to stay. He would be happy to stay. Guardiola has now said what we believe to, to yeah. mean he wants him to stay. Um, but, you know, we know the situation is the club are not offering a two-year deal and that's what Gundogan wants. So, yeah, it is it is possible that he goes and it is possible that Bernardo goes and it is possible that Calvin Phillips goes. And don't ask me um, how that midfield is going to look next year because I just don't know. But yeah. whoever, you know, even if I was to say they're going to bring in Bellingham and... Alexis McAllister which they're not going to at this point and like someone else to be fair that's, that does sound quite strong but that in terms of that adaptation period and so you go much, from yeah. what we were just saying about Gundogan where you can put him in any position he comes in and he just knows it um, to two players three well, players exactly needing to same. learn it yeah yeah and then did they bring on Bernardo yesterday because I remember I just remember thinking this is a we need to make the pos- possessions longer kind yeah. of sub they brought on Bernardo didn't they when there was yeah, a bit did. of a bit of jeopardy in there and again it's like you've got those players and all of a sudden now they're if they're gone you could you could bring in world-class midfielders and there's you know we were talking the other day about how good Haaland's been but there's still been you know there's still stuff he's adapting but he's just like a, a freak in front of goal but I don't think you're going to get a midfielder that beds in it's just not it's just not comparable you don't you don't get because oh, I'm not talking in terms of goals I just don't think you're going to get a player that plays that well um, to mask to mask any kind of things they need to adjust I'm just sure there would be an adaptation there um, so yeah it's not going to be it's not going to be an easy summer in that sense it might I'm sure it'll work out fine but then if you talk about next season where's the motivation if they were to win let's just say the Premier League never mind the others if they were to win the Premier League after 4 out of 5 where's the motivation the players who have key players like that have gone you know maybe that helps and you've you got players coming in who want to do things new and maybe maybe that does help back Um, back to that thing of yeah back to that thing of transferring players out who maybe you want to keep like that we talk about with Sterling yeah 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 Yeah, exactly and it goes back to like United doing it Tottenham never doing it with Pochettino Um, sometimes you gotta make those difficult decisions but I guess in this case you know Ferguson will just go right you're off what but in this case it's obviously you know Gundogan but okay well I'd like to stay but okay I've got this officer fine Bernardo we know the situation there so I suppose that makes it easier but yeah, to be honest, while giving that answer, thinking about 
well, thinking of miles ahead, obviously, but if there were to be any complacency next season, I suppose that does that does really help. If all of a sudden, like a big part of the midfield is completely new, you know, Harlan's only just come in. I can't imagine there be any complacency from him. Alvarez the same. Um, Grealish is still fairly new. You know, in this scenario, he would have won two Premier Leagues, so maybe he's a bit less. But I still feel like he's just Grealish is just so happy to be kicking on now, isn't he? You can tell yeah. he's really enjoying it. You can't imagine he'd go. He'd work that hard after two years to finally be like, "Oh, this is where I want to be," and then slack off. Because you know, you you know, you were talking about people who do recovery, and you know, it was obviously going to be Diaz. He mentioned I, when I, when he said Diaz, and I realised he meant they were recovering late at night. I thought he might have said Grealish because obviously there's that, that Harlan quote when he was like, "Don't don't go out tonight, Jack." Yeah. But um, but Gun, did Grealish also say something like, "I don't want to. I don't. Wanna, you know, I'm not going to tell you I'm in at eight or nine in the morning." Because he's not. Because you know, there's players like Ake and Diaz and whatever, probably Haaland, going early and finish late. Grealish is not good in the mornings, so he's he's not always in early and he's not doing loads of stuff early. Like he's not really a morning person, which is a bit yeah. mad. But know, he stays and does a shitload yeah. afterwards. Yeah, but it's just weird in football. You don't really hear that, do you? But he stays and does a shitload afterwards. Um, so I thought that might have been. You know, he might have been similar in in that. In that sense, um, but yeah, just a little, little snippet there. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yeah. Um, we've touched on Phillips a little bit there, Sam. Um, I want to play this from uh, the pre-match because with Gundogan playing a bit deeper, it meant there was still no room for Calvin Phillips in the team. Um, he was a big talking point on the Friday press conference uh, with the thought that Rodri would need some rest before the Madrid game in midweek. Uh, here's what was said. When you don't play much, it's difficult to take that rhythm. When you take now and the practising and John... It's seven years together. Rose is five or six years together, so they know exactly. I don't have to tell anything, just little details in the moment, the, the, the movement here, there. And when Calvin maybe played in the past, who had played more more minutes, he will I get it. That, But in that situation, Rodri was an exceptional form, and the role is so, so important. That's why the lack of minutes make, you know, the circle make it a little bit more, more difficult. But uh, he's always... A, Pay attention. The training session always is open-minded to to get it. But being so, you know, behind Arsenal, we cannot drop points when you have a situation a front ten, eight points. In the past, it happened. So 
you can do it. But in that moment, I always had the feeling of already know exactly what you have to do, this role, this role. And you, you know, you continue to do this, this kind of <laughs> the opportunities at the place that they know exactly what they have to do. Just on, on Calvin, you and a, and a coaching staff, do you have a, a time frame for when the, a player has to make an impression on you to let, for them to let you know that they are going to make it? Yeah. Here? Because someone like Jack, who had a, a difficult season, he wasn't starting big games at this stage of last season, but is doing now. Is retire a point at which, with a player, you have to say, well, it's just not going to. It's yeah, not we, try, work, it's not. We, we try. I try. Uh, I, I, we did it. I did it. So especially me, because I'm, I'm the manager for the reason why. He had the minutes that we expect. So it's the reason why. Is a question of, of tactics and movements and whatever. So of course, it sometimes when it's this type of cases, explain. Sometimes it's not necessary to tell them because for a long time we are here is not necessary but with him he deserved it so the reason why because the way that you spoke about Jack even this stage last season it always seemed like you were convinced that he would be a big player for your team and obviously a year on he is do you have that same confidence that maybe next, this time next year that Calvin will be starting those massive games Jack maybe Jack, maybe Jack didn't play a lot of important games last season but play a lot of minutes and of course it depends on the players they have to convince himself and the team and and, and not, not because I say something is going to happen. They have to, you know, they have to earn my confidence on them. They, all of them, not, not Calvin, absolutely not, all of them. So how, how they perform? So in the teams, they are during the season change a lot, and players for the previous season were incredibly important, and this is not less important. It's how they perform, how they compete for the other ones. So many things could happen this season, and the team realized how to play. Is thanks for Rico Lewis. Rico helped us to understand what you have to do to play better and better. And the last 10 games didn't play much. Without Rico this season, mm, it would be more difficult. The step, what we made as a, as a team. That I'm pretty convinced. Rico. With that movement he took, he made fluid many, many things on the team. But the other player has a lot of things that Rico doesn't have. Experience and, and many, many things, a composer during the game. We'll come to Lewis shortly, because um, I want to talk about his yeah, performance against Leeds. Um, but uh, I mean, Guardiola just isn't convinced, is he? That's that, that's ultimately what we're what we're learnt here, and the fact that Phillips didn't get a, get on the pitch against Leeds when Rodri wasn't there. Um, it's it's kind of exactly what we said about learning on the job at the moment. Like Rodri learnt on the job in in 1920 because they they kind of had the faith that he'd do it, and it just just doesn't seem there with with Phillips at all. No, it isn't. I, I can't. You know, I'm, I'm wary. Now, now we're doing loads of podcasts per week compared to before. I'm wary of repeating myself, but especially with, with Phillips. Like we said it a lot. Gone, going back to the first podcast we did um, in, in Leipzig Airport. I'm always in airports. Um, about Phillips. That can't say it again. And Guardiola's everything he said recently, and particularly now, it does just go to show, doesn't it, that he's not, yeah, he's, he's not being convinced. Um, I remember when I did that kind of player-by-player state-of-play article in February um, and I, I was asking about the different players it was like the it came back and I'm not sure Calvin's got enough opportunities to, to convince Pep because obviously at that point it was February to the end of the season and you know in that point if you're not really in the plans you don't really play do you like yeah. you're not going to see many young players between now and the end of the season because the and that ties in with what he was saying about Rico Lewis. Because now there's loads of players who've got what, have got what he hasn't got, and like, and like experience being one of them. And we know that's the case. But then, 
yeah, even if there's other players, so Cole Palmer, Sergio Gomez, and obviously Phillips, you know, you ain't going to be getting easy minutes because that's just not how it works. Let's touch on Rico Lewis then, because uh, we heard uh, Guardiola there ahead of the game discussing his qualities and how he's helped the team. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that he came in for Leeds, um, given what we said earlier about um, minutes and stuff like that. But uh, the fact that he did, and the fact that he was fantastic in the game, I thought, I actually, I understand why Man of the Match went elsewhere, but I thought he was in contention for that quite quite easily. Um, All of that comes together to suggest... This kid's good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good. Um, and what I think what I mean, it's quite clever with what Guardiola was saying there, because obviously he, when he talked about Rico Lewis, he brought it up by himself. He presumably knew when he went to the press conference he was going to bring that up. And again, presumably it was just a kind of, just a way to get that out there for, you know, for some players, it probably doesn't matter what Guardiola says about them in the press. But for Rico Lewis to see that publicly, it's probably like a nice little sign. It's a nice little reminder that he's the part fans, of the team, media yeah. maybe that he's there and he, he's done brilliant things this season. But this is why he hasn't played so much recently. Um, and yeah, it's just yeah, nice little reminder before the game. And then, lo and behold, he didn't he didn't really need that reminder anyway because everything he did on the pitch reminded us of all that good stuff anyway. I suppose maybe it's easier to remember. And you know, it's, I suppose to be fair, it's quite tempting for me to think, well, he played in that period where everybody else was struggling. So maybe he just looked good because everyone else was struggling and. And he can maybe start doing him down a bit, but then you remember, no, the age, the inexperience, um, the difficulty, the role he's playing. He got leathered. Was it for sure? Absolutely nailed him after about five minutes again. Yeah. And it reminded me of when he played at Leeds after the World Cup. He was getting leathered. Um, he played against Liverpool before that. He was getting targeted by them. Like obviously, everyone's going to target him because he's a, a young lad and he's just got a young on with lad it though. Yeah. In, a, in new position, and he's really yeah, he exactly. Just gets on with it, but also gets on with it if he does get caught but it doesn't let him it doesn't affect him the next time he's still going to take the ball he's still going to want it under pressure he knows it's coming but he's still going to do his job and that's that's it that is ideal really like it's it's almost great for Guardiola to have that not like cannon fodder but you know what I mean you know what we're saying like with Diaz but you know we say with Diaz like he puts his foot on the ball and they wait for you to come so it's better for City when teams close them down because if you can pass it through them then you've got spaces to exploit and then, if like teams are going to come in and try and nail Lewis, once he gets the ball, one or maybe two come in to, to try and take it off him, but he nips it past them. Perfect. There's, Rather have those two yeah. out out of their position than than sat back giving him time. So it's perfect for Guardiola. It's like, well, they're going to try and kick this guy, but he's going to nip it past them anyway. It's absolutely ideal. Yeah, there was a moment in the first half that made me realise how much good work he was doing where that that exact situation happened. He took the ball under pressure. Two Leeds players closed him down. And it wasn't the greatest of passes, but he got it through. He poked it through to De Bruyne, who then turned and set City off. And the easiest thing to do in that situation would have been to accept the pressure of the two players closing you down and just roll it straight back to Akanji or Laporte. And he didn't. He took the pressure and was like, that pass is on there. I'm going to I'm gonna find the gap and play it. And he did. And like that little moment, just like it just made me realise, in terms of the position he's playing and the role he's got in the team, he is very, very brave on the ball. Very brave on the ball. Yeah. And again, it's, like, it's one of those quotes now, one of those phrases... That we hear a lot in football, and it's just okay, yeah, fine. But the, yeah, the actual practicalities of that—it's you know, great for, to be like an experienced player and be brave on the ball, and and the like 
the like we were just explaining the importance to City of taking the ball and attracting players and helping exploit spaces. But yeah, again, to to go back to his age and his size and that kind of thing, because playing in this City team, you obviously need a load of like tough mental characteristics to do it, and f- physical and technical, obviously. But it's like it's not always as physical as it is playing for another team because you've got loads of the ball. Um, you know, the game's set up from Guardiola's tactics and probably the, the the approach of the opposition in a lot of cases for it to be not as physical. You know, we saw the other night against West Ham and against Leeds in particular, they you know did it in a low gear. But like when it's Lewis, those physical advantages almost get removed because teams are just trying to batter him. So it's like you could be protected by these older players just the way they play, but it's not the case with Phillips. And obviously there was that thing that Guardiola complained about after the Spurs game at home when he said none of the players were were backing him up when he was getting nailed. And he was getting nailed, wasn't he, by like Hoiberg. And yeah, in terms of that bravery, I don't think you see another City midfielder uh, this season anyway. So I remember a terrible tackle by oh, James Morrison, was it, for West Brom on De Bruyne years ago? Um, that he managed to ride but I mean I, you don't see many City midfielders just getting kicked about that's not really how teams deal with City is it um, but when it's Lewis like we're going to get this lad so yeah to be brave on the ball and everything that that means um, it, it actually does mean slightly more in this team because he's basically the only City player who's ever going to get like purposely kicked yeah um, and yeah and like if, if there was if there was any kind of shirking whatsoever wouldn't be that just, you go yeah. okay yeah it's just not it's just not it's just not right. Yeah. Um, but he's just, yeah. He, he has been great. And it's probably like the Mahrez situation. You know, Guardiola was like, I'm trying to tell Mahrez he's great and he's brilliant, but I need something else. It's the same with Lewis, isn't it? But obviously at the other end of his career. So it's like, you are brilliant. You are really good, but I just need a bit more experience. But obviously Lewis is probably going to be more. Um, understanding of it than Mahrez is at, at his stage of his career and Mahrez's expectations and personality and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, in terms of bravery as well, he was also brave off the ball because he absolutely bollocks De Bruyne for not giving it him at one point. Um, yeah. And uh, he, there was one point as well where he was under pressure, he just dummied it and let it run through to, to Gundogan in the midfield. Absolutely living his best life. And like, if you if you can turn to Kevin De Bruyne and go, look, you should have given me the ball there. Like, you've got no problems in your career, have you? <laughs> that, is, that is another big sign in his favour for sure there's that, that seniority thing as well I remember like people used to think like around Foden they used to think that when he was coming through he, w- he wouldn't automatically get the ball I know it's different because he's an attacking player but they're like it was easier to make the pass to De Bruyne or to Aguero or to Sterling or whatever but Foden was kind of down that pecking order um, but it's kind of you kind of get yourself up that pecking order obviously Foden has shown his ability and his quality and all that but there's no doubt about Lewis is there you know you can give him the ball and yeah, I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have no qualms about bollocking a, a much senior, like much better player, as good as Lewis is, then yeah, says everything you need to that. Well, that uh, brings us to a close for this edition of Let Me Talk. Thank you very much for subscribing, get in touch with questions and your comments on Twitter. We're at LMT Pod. Uh, thank you very much, Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. Cheers, guys, for listening. As always, we will see you after Madrid.